If you're enjoying this Med Prep to Go Step 1 podcast, you can now get the content along with the content of the Crush Step 1 podcast ad-free in one bundle. Just go to medpreptogo.com and find our new subscription podcast called Med Prep to Go Step 1 Bundle. This is Dr. Ted O'Connell with the Med Prep to Go podcast. Today we'll be reviewing three microbiology questions. Just a reminder that you can also find these questions on our website at www.medpreptogo.com. If you have feedback or would like to get involved contributing to this free online and audio cue bank, please contact us through our website or you can contact me directly at ted.medpreptogo at gmail.com. If you like what we're doing, please let your friends know about it and give us a review and subscribe as these will all help us a lot. You can learn more about me and my new books and projects at www.tedxoconnell.com. All right, let's get started with the first question. A five-year-old girl is brought to the emergency department by her parents because she has had two episodes of bloody diarrhea over the past three days and developed the inability to move her lower extremities two hours ago. Her parents state that they recently came back from a camping trip. Shortly after coming back from this trip, the patient started having trouble moving her feet, and then the symptoms progressed. Past medical history is unremarkable. The parents also report that they each had a few days of mild joint pain after the camping trip, but these symptoms have resolved. Physical examination reveals absent patellar reflexes bilaterally and 2-plus brachioradialis reflexes bilaterally. Consumption of which of the following foods is the most likely cause of this patient's symptoms? A. Fried rice B. Mayonnaise C. Raw shellfish D. Undercooked beef or E. Undercooked chicken the correct answer is E, undercooked chicken. This patient's progressive ascending paralysis, which is evidenced by her absent lower extremity reflexes compared to her upper extremity reflexes, point to Guillain-Barre syndrome. These signs and symptoms, along with multiple episodes of bloody diarrhea, is most likely caused by Campylobacter jejuni, which is associated with ingestion of undercooked poultry. Other risk factors for Campylobacter infection include contact with infected animals, such as dogs and cats. While Campylobacter often presents as bloody diarrhea in young children, it tends to present as a reactive arthritis-like syndrome in adults. Answer choice A, fried rice, is incorrect. Ingestion of fried rice is associated with Bacillus cereus infection which presents as an acute gastroenteritis-like illness characterized by nausea and vomiting. Answer choice B, mayonnaise, is incorrect. Ingestion of mayonnaise is associated with Staphylococcus aureus infection, which can cause a fast onset of gastroenteritis presenting as vomiting and diarrhea within hours due to the presence of preformed toxin. Answer choice C, Raw shellfish is incorrect. 
ingestion of raw shellfish is associated with Vibrio cholera and Vibrio parahemolyticus infection, both of which can cause voluminous, watery diarrhea. Answer choice D, undercooked beef, is incorrect. Ingestion of undercooked beef is associated with enterohemorrhagic E. coli infection, or EHEC, most commonly the O157H7 serotype. EHEC can cause bloody diarrhea. However, EHEC also produces shiga-like toxin, which can cause hemolytic uremic syndrome, especially in young children, which is characterized by the triad of thrombocytopenia, anemia, and acute kidney injury. The key learning point for this question is that Campylobacter infection in children can be caused by ingestion of undercooked poultry and can manifest as a progressive ascending paralysis, Guillain-Barre syndrome, bloody diarrhea, and reactive arthritis. Question 2. A 24-year-old man presents to the emergency department with a two-day history of fever, malaise, and boils on his right leg. He is a competitive swimmer and reports that he borrowed a teammate's razor to shave his legs before a swim meet. Past medical history is unremarkable. Physical examination shows three raised erythematous warm lesions with a central point extruding pus. A gram stain and culture are performed and reveal that the causative organism is a catalase-positive, gram-positive caucus. The organism also tests positive for the MEK-A gene. The patient is prescribed oral linazolid for treatment. Two days later, the patient develops spiking fevers, chills, nausea, and vomiting. He is admitted to the hospital and started on an intravenous antibiotic that acts against the bacterial cell wall. Which of the following is a potential adverse effect of this intravenous antibiotic? A. Flushing B. Gray baby syndrome C. Pseudomembranous colitis D. Rhabdomyolysis or E. Tendon rupture The correct answer is A. Flushing Of the gram-positive cocci, only Staphylococcus aureus is both catalase-positive and coagulase-positive. A positive MEK-A gene means that this Staph aureus has a mutant peptidoglycan transpeptidase, also known as penicillin binding protein, that does not bind to most beta-lactams, such as penicillins and cephalosporins. Linazolid is prescribed and has a mechanism of action of binding to the 50S subunit of the bacterial ribosome and preventing the initiation complex. Outpatient therapy here is unsuccessful, so the patient is prescribed an intravenous antibiotic with a different mechanism of action. Specifically, the drug cannot target peptidoglycan transpeptidase due to the resistance from MEK-A, so the only other mechanism that targets the bacterial cell wall is inhibiting the synthesis polymerization of peptidoglycan. Vancomycin is the antibiotic and is only given intravenously for systemic infections. Adverse effects include nephrotoxicity, ototoxicity, thrombophlebitis, and diffuse flushing, 
also called red man syndrome. Answer choice B, gray baby syndrome, is incorrect. Gray baby syndrome is a major complication of chloramphenicol when given to premature babies. Chloramphenicol functions at the 50S subunit of bacterial ribosomes. Answer choice C, pseudomembranous colitis, is incorrect. Pseudomembranous colitis is a possible adverse effect of clindamycin, which works at the 50S subunit of the bacterial ribosome. Answer choice D, rhabdomyolysis, is incorrect. Rhabdomyolysis is a risk with daptomycin, especially when the patients are on statin medication. Daptomycin would be an effective treatment for MRSA skin infections, but it works by disrupting cell membranes by creating transmembrane potassium channels. Answer choice E, tendon rupture, is incorrect. Tendon rupture is a major complication of fluoroquinolones, which inhibit prokaryotic topoisomerase 2, also known as DNA gyrase. The key learning point for this question is that vancomycin targets the bacterial cell wall by inhibiting the synthesis polymerization of peptidoglycan. Adverse effects of vancomycin include nephrotoxicity, ototoxicity, thrombophlebitis, and diffuse flushing. Question 3. An 18-year-old college student presents to her family physician with a non-productive cough and low-grade fever for the past three weeks. She reports that several people in her dormitory have been coughing as well. She is previously healthy and does not have any significant past medical history. She has not taken anything for the cough. On physical examination, the patient's temperature is 99.5 degrees Fahrenheit or 37.5 degrees centigrade, and auscultation of the lungs reveals no crackles, ronchi, or wheezing. COVID testing is negative. A chest x-ray demonstrates interstitial pulmonary infiltrates more severe than the patient's presentation suggests. Which of the following is the most likely causative organism in this patient's illness? A. Chlamydia pneumoniae B. Legionella pneumophila C. Mycobacterium tuberculosis D. Mycoplasma pneumoniae or E. Streptococcus pneumoniae The correct answer is D. Mycoplasma pneumoniae. Mycoplasma pneumoniae is the most common cause of interstitial or atypical pneumonia. Interstitial pneumonia often presents with a more indolent course, including chronic cough and low-grade fever. Typically, chest x-ray reveals findings worse than expected based on clinical findings. Mycoplasma pneumoniae often breaks out in environments where people live in close quarters, such as college dormitories, military barracks, or prisons. Chlamydia and Legionella can also cause interstitial pneumonia, but mycoplasma pneumoniae is the most common cause. Streptococcus pneumoniae is the most common cause of community-acquired pneumonia, but usually produces lobar pneumonia, not interstitial pneumonia. Mycobacterium tuberculosis should be suspected when there is persistent cough, lymphadenopathy, fevers, night sweats, or weight loss 
and relevant risk factors such as potential, potential tuberculosis exposure. The classic radiographic presentation of reactivation pulmonary tuberculosis is focal infiltration in the upper lobes with or without cavitation. The key learning point of this question is that mycoplasma pneumoniae is the most common cause of interstitial or atypical pneumonia. Interstitial or atypical pneumonia often presents with a more indolent course, including chronic cough and low-grade fever. Typically, chest x-ray reveals findings worse than expected based on clinical findings. All right, that's it for this episode, but don't forget to check out our other episodes as well as additional questions available at www.medprep2go.com. Also, just a reminder to check out Crush Step 1, which is a source of information for these questions, as well as the Crush Step 1 podcast available wherever you get your podcasts.